Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. And honestly, I cannot tell you how grateful me and my family are for you and praying us through these challenging few months few years (laughs) and you know sometimes life comes at you but you know what oh that song he's never lost a battle never lost a battle and we will never lose a battle because we serve almighty god and what god has done for me for our family and for us we cover you every day that he's doing that for you and i just want you to know me and my family are so grateful for every one of you and on stream. We love you. And God is God on the throne. And thank you for supporting my husband during all this and being the wind beneath his wings while Amen. he's here. I love y'all so much. Amen. Mama's in the house. Mama's in the house. Somebody shout, God is good. For those, for those of you that maybe don't know the whole story, just real quick, and what a time to share it as we celebrate Yom Kippur, God sealing his blessing on our lives, is four years ago they gave Tiz three months to live, and God defeated that, and then about three or four months ago uh, it came back, and they said we really don't have an answer, and... Uh, just miracle after miracle and right at the last moment a new what they call a wonder drug came up and uh, um, she is healthy we believe the next test will show totally cancer free and that's the end of it that's the end of it can't tell you how wonderful it feels to get ready for church for the first time in a long time and not getting ready by myself and so, boy, we couldn't, I couldn't give God more praise and more glory. Amen. Ha. You know, normally at this time, we have a declaration that we hold up our Bibles. But today we celebrate. Tonight we go into, and please pray for me, I'm going to be teaching to the world Yom Kippur tonight on Daystar. Tonight is the night in which we seal when God says, return to me return to me. And when we're in the back and we're praying with the guys before we came out, I really felt God say, instead of just making a declaration, which is a powerful declaration, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why we have us make this declaration. But I felt instead of making the declaration, let's come together on the eve of Yom Kippur and pray for our nation, pray for our world, and pray for our state. We need our country, we need the world to return back to God. And listen to this promise that God gives us in 2 Chronicles 7. He says, if my people, and, and it, you know, it hit me the other day when I was teaching, I think Friday night when I was teaching, that God says, you're my people if you'll pray. It's sad that he would even say if. It's sad that he would have to say if. But he says, if my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, God says, and my ears attentive to the prayers that are made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name be there forever and my eyes and my heart will remain. We need to, we need to be a people that say, we will not lose our children. We will not lose our schools. We will not lose our, did you, did you see? Did you see in uh, California, they're trying to pass a bill that if your child is five years old and it's a boy and it grabs a doll in the grocery store, that's a sign that he's not really a boy, he's a girl and the government can come and take your child away. Now, now they didn't pass it, they didn't pass it, but can you imagine a politician that would have that kind of mentality to say, we wanna take your children? Folks, if this doesn't make you mad, you need your mad repaired. You need to be upset about this and understand that God is leaving this in our hands. On October 21st, we need all of you to come. We need you to bring, you to bring 100 people. We're hoping for thousands and thousands of people in the back here. We're bringing a big stage in. We're bringing in speakers and musicians and, and, and worship leaders for a time of prayer and worship because of this scripture to pray for our nation to call upon God, to repent of our sin. Say, well, Pastor Larry, I, I, I haven't done anything. You know, you know what? When I'm gonna read something on Yom Kippur. We need not be neutral. We need to be aggressive about the things of God and the kingdom of, can I have an amen on that? We need to be aggressive. And we need to rise up this Wednesday. So that's gonna be October 21st. We have. We have 20-something pastors from Brazil coming. We have pastors from Mexico coming and saying, we're going to stand with, with new beginnings. We're going to stand with you, Pastor Larry and Tiz. We're going to stand. We have, uh, I, th I think we have something like uh, 70 Hispanic churches that are responding. Now, you know, the sad thing is we're having a hard time getting white people to. Now, I'm not against white people. I married one. But we need to stand up as a body of Christ and say, you will not take. And God said, if you do this. So we also need more volunteers. We have over 100 volunteers. We need more volunteers. You can see Pastor Wanderson uh, about becoming a volunteer. We need security. We need all these things. But then Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, Christ for the Nation is going to partner with us. They're going to come in and do praise and worship here. So I want you to come in with me Wednesday night and be with us this Wednesday night. Let's praise, let's worship God. What a great time to go in praise and worship between Yom Kippur and Feast of Tabernacles. I, I hope Jesus comes before we get to Wednesday night. But if he doesn't come, I declare, we're not going home with a moan, we're going out with a shout, amen?
We're going out a glorious bride. Next Sunday is Feast of Tabernacles. And I'm going to preach, instead of just teaching the regular Feast of Tabernacles, I'm going to teach on the Bride of Christ. The Bride of Christ. You know, this is a time of return. We want to make sure you're one of the wise virgins and not the foolish virgins. We want to be aware that the Lord is ready to come and we need to stand up for a godly nation. Would you take your neighbor's hand in unison? Look at black, white, brown, young, old, all good looking. Lift your hands up. Let's pray together. Father, I come before your throne. And Father, we thank you that we have the privilege through the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, the name of freedom and liberty and righteousness and morality. And Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sins as a nation, as a world, and Father, we repent and we return to you. Father, we ask you that on this Yom Kippur, you cover every one of us. You cover our families. You cover our children, our grandchildren, our husbands, our wives. You cover our politicians. You cover our religious leaders. And let their eyes be open with the light of the word of God that we will be once again one nation under god and that is the god of abraham isaac and jacob i ask you to bring divine provision upon us bring divine protection upon us bring divine courage that we stand up for one another and for the kingdom of god father we ask you to seal the blessing on us this yom kippur and we will always be sure to be bold, to be courageous, and to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's warriors shouted, if you believe we win, give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Great job. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I want to ask you this morning to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Today, tonight we go into, today we celebrate what is called biblically Yom Kippur. Now, I want to say, we, we, we all know this, but sometimes I have to repeat things because we have so many people, new people that come in that are watching with us around the world. The Bible says, call upon the Lord while he is near. We know that God is God 24-7. Every moment of every day, God is God. But there are divine appointments. There are divine, what's called in Hebrew, moedims, in which God is nearer to us than any other time. Now, please listen to what I'm saying right here at this moment. On Yom Kippur, biblically, God's power, God's grace, God's mercy, God's strength, God's blessing is closer to us right now, right now, than any other time of the year. Now, we've talked about the Feast of the Lord, that there is a shadow of things to come. For 40 days up till now, 40 days, and I, I wish I had time to teach on the number 40. Think about the number 40, how significant it is all through the Bible. But for 40 days, we've been blowing the trumpet in Zion. Where's James? James, would you stand up and give us one last toot on the shofar. Amen. 
Now, for those that don't know, real quick, is the reason why God does this, this is symbolic of the birth pangs, the coming of the Messiah. So for 40 days, God would blow, he would say, blow the trumpet, wake everybody up, prepare them for the coming of the Lord. 30 days of the month of Elul, we go into Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is symbolic of the rapture. There will come a time in which we will not be here any longer. And we are closer to the rapture than I believe than we can even imagine. You look at all the Bible prophecies that's going on in the world, but one of the main things is you what something that you and I are a biblical, prophetical part of. The Bible says when Israel becomes a nation again, that generation that sees Israel come, the Jews come back to the land of Israel, that generation will see the coming of the Messiah. Now, no one knows how long a generation is. Some say 70 years, 80 years, but I believe a generation, you hear your parents say, our parents say that in my generation, now I was born in 1950, and so Israel became a nation in 1948. My generation, from the time I was born, Till the time the rapture comes, I'm in that generation. Now, I may, I may live. My mom will be next week, she'll be, or two weeks, she'll be 96 years old. So maybe we have 20 years left, but I don't think we do. You look at Israel becoming a nation. We will see the coming of the Messiah. The second part is, is that the Gentiles, and this has just been happening, and we were the first ones, this ministry, was the first ones that the nation of Israel partnered with to bring Jews, Christians, partnering with the nation of Israel. This ministry was the first ones, we've been doing it for a long time, to partner with Israel and bringing Jews back to the nation and the land of Israel. The Bible says in the last days, one of the signs of the coming of the Messiah is Gentiles, instead of pushing Jews out of Israel, Gentiles will partner with them and will bring them back to Israel in our arms and on our shoulders. Just last year, you helped partner with Israel to bring 70-something thousand Jews out of Ukraine and Russia. We brought, what, six, 7,000 Jews from Ethiopia. These two things are shouting to the world, the Messiah is so close, we need to get ready. Now, I believe Rosh Hashanah is a sign of the rapture. And then you have seven days after that, you have what we get into tonight is Yom Kippur. I believe Yom Kippur is a shadow of the second coming. When the second coming comes, you and I will stand with the Lord. The earth, the enemy on the earth will be defeated. The Lord will come back. On Do you know that we don't fight in that battle? We come back with him. The Lord's on a, on, a, on a white stallion and he comes back to defeat the enemy, but we don't even have to fight anymore because he defeats them with his mouth. He just says they're defeated. So the rapture, the second coming, and then what we celebrate next week is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And I believe that's the wedding supper of the Lamb. So I want you to see what it is that God is going to seal on your life and my life for this whole next year. Now, let me say this. I might be wrong. Maybe Rosh Hashanah is not exactly the rapture. Yom Kippur is not exactly the rapture, uh, the second coming, and Feast of Tabernacles is not the wedding supper of the Lamb. I might be wrong. The Lord may come tomorrow. 
And we need to live not like, well, we've got another year. We need to live like he could come at any moment of any time. Amen? And we've got work to do. We've got a world to change. Our job is to be the light of the world and not let darkness win. I, I don't know about you, but I, I can't. You know, the guys in the back are always saying, did you see the news? I can't watch the news very often because it makes me mad. How can people be so stupid and be voting for these kind of people to be our politicians? How can they be that stupid? You've got to understand, the only way darkness goes away is if you be the light. Amen? So I might be wrong, so we need to live as if the Lord could come any moment at any time. But if you look at the teachings on Yom Kippur, tonight God wants to seal the blessing on your life. Now, once he seals that blessing, next week begins the Feast of Tabernacles. It begins Sukkot, and then that blessing multiplies. All through the year, it begins to multiply, and we'll share that with you, with you next week. But today, tonight, God is saying, do you need to return to me? Do, do you need to return to me? Now, we, did, we had a, a tremendously anointed service. I think I felt more anointing last Friday, this last Friday, in our service on Shabbat than I've felt in years and years. And so if you want to get that, get that. But there are three ways that we return. One is, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Because on Rosh Hashanah, it says we open, God opens up three books. One, the book of the righteous. Those are the ones who are serving God. You're serving God. They're the lukewarm. And one of the prophecies in the last days is the church will become lukewarm. You don't want to be lukewarm. God says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You want to make sure that you are serving God. You're in church. You're serving God. You're teaching your family to pray. You're reading the Bible. The third book is those who are not righteous. Now, because God is so wonderful, just like the rapture, when the rapture takes place, the only ones that make the rapture, the rapture is not the judgment of God on the world. The rapture of the, is the judgment of God on the church. Because only those who are righteous, that's the reason for the birth pangs. That's the reason for the blowing of the shofar. And the blowing of the shofar is today the pastors and the rabbis saying, are you ready? Are you ready? I've been saying it now for over a month. Are you ready? For the first thing we need to do is let's bow our hearts and close our eyes real quick. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not asking you do, you, do you need to pray more? Do you need to read your Bible more? Yes, we all do. But are you ready? Are you serving God? Is God number one in your life? Now, he wants to add all the blessings to your life. But he wants, him, he wants you to put him on the throne and say, Lord, I'm gonna, you know, I've been missing too much church. I haven't been serving God. I haven't been doing those. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around right now. You say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I need to give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord. Just slip your hand up all over the building. Amen, amen, amen. Hands, hands going up everywhere. Say this out loud. Lift your, lift, lift your voice with mine. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ 
to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you're ready for the rapture, give the Lord a clap offering one more time. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful God. And I'm not saying we're perfect. You know, I, I, I hesitate telling this story because I don't want people to use it as an excuse to sin. But, you know, the day I, people said, well, you weren't really saved. The day I got saved, I came into church a drug addict. I came into church putting needles in my arms. I had seven federal warrants out for my arrest. I was a importer and exporter of natural substances out of Columbia, South America. And I prayed and I said, Jesus, if you're real, be real to me. And it felt like a million pounds lifted off my shoulders. And I began to cry. And, you know, I had no shirt on, no shoes on. I had a big poncho on, earrings in my ears and long hair. And the pastor comes up and said, man, God really touched you. And I said, well, somebody did. I didn't, I didn't really know what happened, but I felt so good. I, my, my friend and I went out and bought a bag of dope and a bottle of wine to celebrate being born again. <laughs> now, I can feel somebody going, this is a church I can belong to. That was not the right thing to do. Say amen. amen. I smell something over on this side over here. But that's the grace of God. That's how wonderful our God is. Why would we not serve him? Amen. Every moment of every day, why would we not, why would we not serve him? But then he didn't just die to get us to heaven. If that's all he did, if all he did was die to get us to heaven, he'd have just left us. But Jesus walked what's called the Via Dolorosa, the road of suffering, and he shed his blood seven times. And in that shedding of his blood, he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. You know, that, can I be honest with you? That's why I would never backslide. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan comes to steal your future. He comes to steal your finances. He comes to steal your home, your family, your marriage, your happiness, your joy. Satan's job is to kill, steal, and destroy all that Jesus has for you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And when you return to the Lord and you say, Lord, you know what? I, I, I need to get back to serving you. As a people, as a home, a family, a nation, a city, a country, then he seals that blessing and Satan can't steal it because greater is he that's in us than anything the world has. So let me show you the teachings of Yom Kippur real quickly. Matthew chapter 16, did I already have you turn there? Look at verse 13 and I wanna show you Jesus in Yom Kippur. And Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am, the son of man am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Doesn't matter what they say. Do you know who I am? Now, remember, and I, and I know I say this all the time because that's why we need to study and, and, and understand the word of God. My people destroyed for what reason? Lack of knowledge. You know, that's the wonderful thing about knowing the word of God. It's rhema. You may have known the word of God for 50 years, but if you stay open, God will keep showing you revelation after revelation. Who do you say that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Now, I know most of you heard me say this, but just look at me and grab this a minute. Jesus was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. These are two Jews having a conversation, speaking like Jews. They're not Baptists. They're not Assembly of God. They're not, not Christian. They're not Americans. They're Jews. And in order to understand what Jesus is saying, we need to read the Bible as Jews. Amen? He says, who do you say that I am? Peter gave a very Jewish response. He said, you're the Christ. That word Christ in Hebrew means the anointed one. What is the anointed one? Look at me. The anointed one is two things. He's the burden removing and he's the yoke destroying. Now I'm gonna explain that, but I want you to see two things. He's the burden removing. What's the burden? The wages of our sin is death. When we come to Jesus Christ, you know, I've shared this so many times, and when Tiz and I first got married and we'd share our testimony, Tiz would say, Larry was a million-dollar sinner, and then she'd say of herself, I was a five-dollar sinner. Well, Tiz's sister's here. She can tell you a story. Tiz was, a, Tiz was at least a $7.50 sinner. But it doesn't matter. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen? So when, when he says, who do you say that I am? And Jewish Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the burden removing and yoke destroying. Most Christians stop at just the burden removing. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He forgives us of our sin, whether we're big sinners or little sinners, he forgives us of our sin. It doesn't matter, and that's so important you understand. You know, I think coming January, we're gonna do a whole weekend of breaking generational curses, breaking family curses. But he says, not only will I forgive you, but I'll break that yoke. Too many Christians are dragging the yoke of family curses or generational curses in their walk with Christ. God wants to break every curse that blocks or hinders the blessing from coming into your life. God wants you healthy. God wants you prosperous. God wants you happy. God wants you to have a wonderful family. He wants you and your family being saved. Every single blessing is ours, but it doesn't just come from being forgiven of our sin. It comes from understanding that he breaks every curse that is trying to hold back the blessing. I believe, I, I'm gonna speak prophetically, and if I'm wrong, we'll know it next year. This next year is gonna be the best year of our lives so far because we're moving into that latter rain. So he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. Now, I'm going to show you how important this is. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou. That word blessed there in Hebrew is anointed from heaven. You're the Christ. You're the burden removing and yoke destroying. Peter, you're, you're anointed from heaven. Look at this. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this from a book. You got this as a revelation from God. Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this rock that Jesus is the burden removing and the yoke destroying, on this rock I will build my church. Now look at the next verse there. And it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and, and what that means is, in the simplest form, is the devil is not going to beat you up anymore. When you understand, he's not only forgiven me of my sin, and that's so important because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When you're praying, Satan loves to bring up your past. And I say this, and I say it as a joke, but I say it seriously. When Satan brings up your past, remind him of his future. Amen? Because if you, it, when he brings up your past, well, you're not worthy. Well, I am worthy. Well, you were a drug addict, and you were in the gangs, and you shot heroin, and you smuggled drugs. Yeah, but I'm not worthy because of myself. I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Say this out loud. I'm worthy. Say it again. I'm worthy. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you look and you're thinking about, I need a new job. I need this. I need that. You need to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm worthy because I am the righteousness of Almighty God. Look what he says here. The gates of hell shall not prevail. So one, the devil won't beat you up. But if you look at that word gates in the original transcript, it doesn't mean just the gates. It actually is a word that says you need to declare war on evil. And that's, what, that's why we're doing October 21st. That's why we're doing biblical citizenship with Pastor Troy. That's why we're, we're, doing, we're, we're doing all these things because we're not going to sit back and go, oh, devil, I hope you don't get my kids. We're going to rise up and say, devil, we're going to knock your spiritual teeth out when you try to touch our country and our children. You rise up. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the violent, Take it by force. Amen? You know, when I was a kid, you know, you always heard when you're a kid, don't pick a fight, but if a fight, you know, then, you know, hit. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, pick a fight. Pick a fight. You know, the Bible says we fought a good fight. Now, I don't know about any of you men that have ever, if you've ever been beat up, if you've been beat up, it's not a good fight. It's only a good fight when you beat him up. And the Bible says we fought a good fight. That means we're going to knock the teeth out of the devil. We're not going to sit back and say, oh, devil, please don't give me. No, we're going to rise up. We got the armor of God on. Greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. We need to attack evil. We battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities, powers. That are. Somebody ought to shout amen. Now look how it ends here. He said, on this I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Look at verse 19. And he says to Peter, he says to all of us, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loosen on earth is loosed in heaven. Can I tell you one of the reasons why we don't see our prayers answered? We're going, Jesus, heal me. Jesus said, it's finished. Jesus, deliver my kids. It's finished. Jesus, do something. I'm waiting. 
Whatever you bind on earth, and, and folks, I'm telling you, the devil does not want you to know this. When we pray for lying or tis for their sickness, we didn't ask the Lord to heal them. He already, by his stripes, they're already healed. We enter into that with praise and thanks. Lord, thank you that this can, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care. And thank God for doctors. Let me say this. Thank God for doctors. We pray for doctors all the time because they are instruments of God. But we get up and we bind the forces of cancer. We bind the forces of sickness. We bind racism. We bind anger. We bind poverty. Whatever you bind on earth is then bound in heaven. I, I want you to picture on tonight, today, on Yom Kippur, God with his hand, you know, I was preaching for a guy one time years ago uh, in, in California, I think it was, and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm watching you when you're getting ready to come preach. He said, you're like a racehorse getting ready to come out of the gate. And I said, that, you know, that's why I see God. It's not God. God's not reluctant in blessing us. He's like, come on, loosen me. Come on, let me go. The Bible says he's running to and fro looking for somebody that he can be strong in their behalf. That's why we lift up our hands and say, don't pass me by. Come on, somebody. Whatever you bind, who binds it? You bind it. I don't have time to teach this tonight. I don't have time to teach this today. But he says, I give you the keys. Jesus doesn't have the keys. You've got the keys. Keys lock and keys unlock. Keys let in, keys forbid. We need to forbid the devil from being in the White House anymore. We need to forbid the devil from being in government anymore. We need to forbid the devil from being in, the, in, the, in politics anymore. We need to forbid the devil from being in our school. We need to rise up and understand whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Can I have an amen? amen? All right, so this is Matthew chapter 16. Just very quickly, go with me to the book of Leviticus 16. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Moses. This is why it's so important that we see Jesus not as the shadow of these things anymore, but of the fulfillment of these things. Now watch this. Leviticus 16, verse 5. This is the teaching for tonight. Look at me, just one second. Tonight, God seals your blessing. God seals it. I, you know, uh, God gave me this. Uh, in, in two weeks, I'm going to do another message for our children on, touch, don't, you, it's better you tie a millstone around your neck than you touch our kids. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to do part two of that. I, I had a break away because of the high holidays. But God said, we're going to seal our children. Today, we're going to seal our children. I don't care what they're being taught. I don't care what they're hearing. We're going to seal our children and see our children and our grandchildren come back to the kingdom of God. Now, watch this. Look at Leviticus chapter 16. This is tonight. This is Yom Kippur. Verse 5, it says, And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats, as a sin offering. Now, some say lamb, some say kids, but most of them say, say goats, but it's either one. One ram is a burnt offering, and Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering 
which is for himself. Now, I don't have time to get in this, but listen to me. Judgment begins in the house of God. Pastors need to understand, before there's ever atonement for the congregation, the pastor needs to make sure he's right with God. This, to be a pastor is not a job. It's a calling. And if we make decisions because of noise, nickels, and numbers, God said, I'll take my anointing away and give it to somebody else. Amen. I'm saying that for me. I'm saying that for every pastor. If I don't teach something because I'm afraid I'm going to lose people because they're, they're pro-transgender or they're pro-abortion, I'm accountable before God for that. Amen. So first off, it has to start with the leaders in the house of God, rabbis and pastors. All right. And Aaron shall offer a bull offering as a sin offering for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take two goats. How many goats? Burden removing and yoke destroying. Look at me. How many goats? Two. Burden removing, yoke destroying. And present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the, how many goats? Burden removing, yoke destroying. One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Jump down to verse 14. And he shall take some of the blood and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side before the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger. How many times? How How many times? How many times did Jesus shed his blood? This is Jesus in the day of atonement sealing our blessing. Now look at this, seven times. Then he shall, just look at me real quick. Shed his blood in the garden, whipping post, crown of thorns, in his hands, in his feet, in his side, stomped, uh, 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 crown of thorns, stomped on the devil's forehead, bruised his heel. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, Jesus shed his blood seven times. On the day of atonement, they sprinkled the blood seven times. You got it? All right, I know I'm going fast. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of its uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. So he shall do for the tabernacle of the meeting which remains among the midst of, uh, of their uncleanness. Verse 19, and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger. How many times? Seven times. Cleanse it. Most, most Christians say we're redeemed by the blood. And we'll say, where did Jesus shed his blood? And they'll say, at Calvary. You're only partly right. Jesus didn't just shed his blood one time. He shed his blood seven different times because he is the atonement to release the blessings and break every curse. And with his finger seven times, cleanse it and sanctify it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Verse 20, and when he had made an end of the anointing of the holy place, the tabernacle of the meeting and the altar, he shall bring in the live goat and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess all of the iniquities. That word iniquity in Hebrew means curses. All the curses uh, of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins putting them on the head of the goat, and he shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man, and the goat shall bear on itself all the curses to the uninhabited land, and he shall 
released the goat into the wilderness. Now, let me show you something exactly what happened. This is why when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? You could almost see Peter as a Jew going, you're the anointed one. This is what we've been waiting for. Look at the Day of Atonement. 30 days blowing the shofar, Rosh Hashanah, God opens the books. He gives us seven more days to make sure we're right with God. Are we right with God in our heart? Are we right with God in our tithes and our offerings? Are we right with God? And this is the main thing before tonight, that you do something as an act of charity. You do an act of charity. Lord, when was, were you hungry and I fed you? When were you, when were you naked and I clothed you? When you've done it under the least... Even beggars in Israel are required to give to charity. When Jesus, see that box right there in front of the baptismal tank? That's called the Stedkai box. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word righteous here is the word in Hebrew, Stedkai, which means acts of kindness. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to wear, but look for a chance to do an act of kindness. Look for it, look for it, look for it, look for it. Why? Because when we do kindness to others, Almighty God, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills, does kindness to us. Amen? And he doesn't want us to miss this. So he gives us, and then even after Rosh Hashanah, he gives us seven more days to do an act of kindness. That is sealed tonight. So here they come, the Day of Atonement. They bring the two goats the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying. The priest comes and grabs one. He brings it up on the altar, and he slays that goat or that lamb. And immediately when that goat or lamb is killed and its blood is shed, immediately the sins of Israel are forgiven. For the whole next year, they're forgiven. But, 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 and I love this, but he didn't just come to forgive us of our sin. He came to give me and you life and that life more abundant. Amen? So, and I, and I was going to do this, but I knew it would take too much time. When he brings the goat up, he wears, and I was going to bring one of my tallits in. It's very ornate. It's jeweled and everything. He's wearing this jeweled clothing as the high priest. When he sheds the blood of that goat, he takes off his jeweled clothing. He goes into the the mikvah, which we're going to do in the washing of hands, and he cleanses himself, and when he comes out, he's all in white, pure white. The reason is he's reminding, though your sins may be as scarlet. That word scarlet means deeply stained, double-dyed. There's no washing that man can do to get that stain out. But no matter who you are, whether you're a $1,000 sinner or a $750,785 sinner, <laughs> though your sins be as scarlet, I will make you white as snow. Amen. Amen. So now the sins are forgiven. Everybody's sins forgiven. That's what we just did. Our sins forgiven. Doesn't matter what we did yesterday. Our sins are forgiven. Give me a loud amen. amen. Our sins are forgiven. Devil, you're a liar. My sins are forgiven. Then he dips his hands into the blood, 
and he goes into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is where the power of God is. This is where God is wanting to get off the throne and come and bring you whatever. He wa- God does not want to answer your prayer. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above any. And you know what? I love that. I love when, you know, you all know my sense of humor, boy. I'm preaching somewhere. I'm going to be, I'm going to be preaching next weekend or next month in, in Thailand and then Singapore and then in Jerusalem to uh, 50 heads of state from across Europe. And I love to say to them, God doesn't want to answer your prayer. And they'll go, Our God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. Amen. Because he's a wonderful God. And so the power of God is ready to be released now and sealed tonight. So he sprinkles that blood. How many times? How many times did Jesus shed his blood? Seven times. We're redeemed. We're reconnected. We're re-seen as children of the covenant through the blood of Jesus. Israel could always have their sins forgiven, but they weren't guaranteed for the blessing to be released. So the sins are forgiven The blood is sprinkled seven times. The blessing is ready, but something has to happen. He's not just the burden removing. He's the curse breaking. So the priest would take his hands and dip them once again in the blood. He'd come to the door of the tabernacle, which today is your heart and my heart. And as he comes to the door of the tabernacle, he would place his head on the scapegoat the scapegoat, and he would confess, Lord, because we've sinned, uh, 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 our wells are not producing water, our flocks, our vineyards, whatever it is, our enemies are defeating us. And they confess that curse. And then the Bible says they would take a runner and send that curse down to a desert place. Now watch this. This is why Jesus said, You cast the demon out. How many times have you prayed, say, Lord, I I rebuke this in my life, and it's better for a while, but it comes back. Why? Because we don't know this part right here. He said, you cast the devil out, and he goes to a dry place. That's Yom Kippur. That's tonight. That's right now. But then it comes back. You know, uh, I I have animals. I have horses and donkeys and stuff. And they see me coming. They know they're going to get fed. They're going to get watered. An animal will always come back to where it was taken care of. That's the same thing with even with the devil. He, you cast him out, but he's going to come back where we've been watering him and feeding him. And the Bible says if he finds the door open, that it's seven times worse than it was. But when we know to put the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of our house, That thing will not come back anymore. I'm not a recovering drug addict. I'm an ex-drug addict. Oh, somebody didn't hear that. So he says they they confess the curses, send it out, and then they put runners along the way to make sure that thing doesn't come back. And when that goat dies in the wilderness, not only are the sins forgiven, but once that curse is broken, you got to kill the weeds before you get the harvest. That's what we're going to do right now. Once that curse is broken now, not only are the sins forgiven, but every blessing we've been waiting for, every prayer we've been laying before God is now released. And tonight it's sealed 
in the name that's above every name, and that's the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Do you receive that today? Amen. I want you to stand all over the building. Do I have any water? I know I don't have any water in my pulpit. Do I have any water? What we're going to do, what we're going to do in just a moment is, thank you, Mama, is have you come down on these sides and I want to ask you to think about doing something for charity, doing something for our feeding our kids, doing something for Israel, whatever. That's the Stedka box. That's the charity box. That's the, that's the acts of kindness box. Whenever God's getting ready to bless you, he first gives you a chance to be a blessing. Now, if you're visiting here, we're, we're glad you're here. Don't feel pressure in this. We don't take offerings in the building. We just let people give. It's just except for during this, these high holidays. But then when you come up, we're going to wash your hands, which is symbolic of the high priest being baptized. And when you are baptized, here's what happens. Give me two minutes and I'll explain this. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Lord, we know you be a man from God because nobody can do these miracles except God be with them. Now listen to me. Nothing God gives us in the Bible is for a ritual. It's for a revelation. But we need not to be hearers only. We need to be doers. When you have your hands washed, a miracle of God takes place. Remember when Jesus came walking and he says to John, baptize me, John. John baptized him and Jesus began the 40 days that launched him into his ministry. That's where we're at right now. This is going to launch you into a whole nother world. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Well, it's an outward sign of an inward work. It's a sign of, of, of joining church. Hold on one second, guys. Hold on one second. Why did Jesus do this? Look at me. It's so important you get this. That's why I want everybody moving around. Jesus didn't need to join a church. He was the church. This year, you've been in contact with failure. Somebody said something to you. You've touched somebody. You've been around people that are negative. When you, when you are washed in water, he said, Lord, how do you do these miracles? He said, you're, you're, a, you're a teacher. You know these things. You must be born again. Now, we use the term born again to mean receive Christ as Savior. And we'll always use that because that's the term. But when they're talking, born again is coming up out of the water. And what it does is it breaks your connection to all failure. That's what it means. He said, how can a man be born again? Do you enter a second time into your mother's womb? Ladies, when you're about to have a baby, what breaks? Your water. He said, you enter a second time in your mother's womb. He said, there's being born of the flesh. That's the breaking of the water. There's being born of the spirit. That's the breaking of the water through the mikvah. The word mikvah, baptismal tank, means womb of the world. So when we wash your hands and we release that anointing, you are being freed from every failure that you've come around, every limitation that you've come around, and God is sealing you in divine blessing. Somebody say this out loud. It's my turn. Say it. No, say it louder than that. It's my turn. Say it again. It's my turn. 
God is going to break it. And, and you know what? You can stand in proxy for your husband, your wife, your children. I'm going to, I want to stand in proxy for our country. I want every curse broken, and I want every blessing released. So here's what we're going to have you do. This is the charity box where Pastor Wanderson is. This is your charity box. Whenever you're getting ready to be blessed, you first have a chance to be a blessing. This offering does not stay here. This offering for charity must be given away so that we can get a seed in the harvest, in the ground for God to bring us to harvest. Then you come this side, or look at me, and they'll show you on that side, and they will dip their hands and wash your hands. You'll come around. Now, I got run over by a horse yesterday, so my back is a little, a little sore, and, and Tiz has been a little weak, so we're not going to do the baptism, but it says whoever touches you when you first come out of the mikvah, that anointing is on you. So our family is going to be the ones to touch. I'm going to have Luke come, Derek, and, 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 and uh, Kenny are going to stand with me. Luke's going to stand over here with me, and Brandon's going to, or the girls will stand with you. Look at me. No limits. Say that. No limits. No limits. What do you need? Financial? Marriage? Family? Children? What do you need? No limits. And it's sealed. And no matter what the devil does, he cannot steal your blessing. And from this, from tonight on, it just begins to get better and better and better. What an awesome God we serve. Can I have an amen? Give the Lord a clap offering. We're going to sing. Come on down, whichever way you come. Come this way. Come out that way. Luke on this side. Yeah. 